Welcome to the Human Performance Outliers podcast with your hosts, Dr. Sean Baker and Zach Bitter. At Human Performance Outliers podcast, we dive into a wide range of topics revolving around health, nutrition, and physical fitness. If you enjoy the show and wish to support us, please visit patreon.com forward slash HPO podcast. If you do not use Patreon but still wish to support us, please also consider checking out our PayPal page at paypal.me forward slash HPOpod. The link to both of those can also be found in the show notes. Finally, please consider subscribing to us on your favorite podcast listening platform. Now, on to the next topic. F, how long can you chat for? I have time. Okay, cool. We'll just, we'll just kind as of long as it's things. interesting, yeah. Yeah, let's see where things go. So for those people that – so, so um, Gaddis, you're in the Netherlands, and you are, I mean, maybe known more by your YouTube handle, and I can't even pronounce it. It's like you got letters <laughs> and numbers. It's like S-V-3-R-I-G-E. How do you say that just out of curiosity? Right. It means Sweden and Swedish. It's pronounced Sverige. Sverige. And it, yeah. what does it mean? Sweden in Swedish. It means Sweden in Swedish. Right. It's interesting. I didn't know. So Sweden uses the number three in there. Well, no, they don't, obviously. But the, the username was taken with the E, so I just put the three in there. Ah, okay. So it means Sweden in Swedish. Okay, I didn't right. know. I had no idea if that meant something so kind of interesting. And so you are a very controversial figure, to say the least. Uh, you are, um, I think it's safe to say, not in favor of a vegan diet. Uh, you've made... Uh, uh, a number of videos that are uh, very compelling and very scary. And in fact, this this picture behind me is a is a video, is a picture, an image captured from one of your videos. And I think it's entitled "Vegans: The Epitome of Malnourishment." And you 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 know you show a lot of transformations. People that go on a vegan diet, and to be fair, it's most often these people that are going on fruitarian diets where they really sort of decay. And we see, uh, not always, but often, they seem to be the worst examples of that. And so a lot of people say, "Well, you're cherry picking." Uh, but I mean, I think it's also important to, to let people notice that what, what the end stage, and I like to call it end stage veganism, uh, what happens to many people in there. And, and these people are often, obviously this guy, uh, if you watch the video, and I don't know this guy's name, but I mean, he is obviously clearly not doing well. And I mean, and, and you listen to so many people, and they, they, they believe so well, so much that they've been sort of brainwashed to believe this is the most peaceful, happy way to live, and it's the healthiest way to live, and they're, and they're clearly decaying before their eyes. And so... Um, I think it should be, you know, required viewing for anybody that's considering doing a vegan diet uh, or any other diet. It's just kind of like, you know, how do I make my decision? Because there's a lot of propaganda out there. But so anyway, a lot of people don't like what you have to say. They don't like you. I mean, I'm in the same boat. There's a lot of people don't like me. Uh, and, you know, and some of the things you've done, you've been uh, you're going or showing up at vegan events and, and, pro, and, and just, you know, eating meat, you know, a lot of times it's, it's very pr provocative. You might be sitting there eating a, a big old hunk of, you know, cow's liver or, you know, heart or, you know, a pig's head or even recently a squirrel. And that's really upset. Some people even got thrown in jail for that in the UK. And so uh, a lot of people, just, you know, even on, on the people that are, that are pro meat think that's crazy. And they don't think you should be doing that. Mm -hmm. um, let me ask you just what inspires you to do this stuff, why are you why are you concerned about people going vegan? What's what, what's inspiring you to do this? Right. So I was vegan myself. I started with being a vegetarian and slowly cut out all the animal foods. And I went through this phase where after three four months, I got incredibly weak. My digestive system was just messed up. I had incredible bloating and gas. It was 
this horrible, like you can't even live anymore. And then all of a sudden, I just became allergic to all the plants I was eating, such as avocados. I was eating a lot because they have a higher fat content, or so I thought back then. Now I realize it's just mostly oil and it's, there's no point for humans to eat that. And anything that I was eating, so I went on a pretty long fast because I just couldn't eat anything anymore. And I thought that uh, just like a lot of people who fall for it, that you should heal. And like you were saying about the epitome series, most of the people there still eat a pretty, what they would call cooked, balanced vegan diet. But yes, there are also a lot of fruitarians and they do fail much quicker because they eat a lot of watery fruit, which is not nourishing for humans at all. So they just faster than the cooked vegans starve themselves. And uh, I sort of did, went through the same thing because uh, after a while, when you start getting sick or you start experiencing these allergic symptoms, you want to go on a so-called cleanse. And uh, such as I did the juice cleanse, it just, uh, it just malnourishes you even quicker. So this is also what you can see in the epitome series. So I understand where they come from. I understand their symptoms. And this is why I made these series to warn people that uh, this can really happen on a vegan diet and it does happen to everybody. But uh, some people who do differently, they maybe last 10, 15, maybe 20 years. And I've met the next vegan who was actually vegan for 20 years with uh, maybe eating cheese once a year, something like that. And she was diagnosed with five cancers, couldn't move out of her bed anymore. She couldn't even move anything. And then she started eating raw meat and went on the primal diet of Ajna's Wonder Plants and healed herself. So from my experience, the vegans who actually don't cheat and really do veganism for 20 years, they, they pretty much die at that point. Yeah, I mean, there, you know, there's other people, you know, there's people who say, well, you know, hey, guess what? It's free choice. You can do whatever you want. You know, why not? Why, why harass these people? Why bother them? Why not just let them, you know, sit there and, and eat their food and, and let them do what they want? I mean, what is, uh, what is the, uh, you know, why do you feel it's your right to go to a protest or, or not go to a protest, go to a vegan event and point out the, these sort of things? What is, what is the necessity of doing that? Right. I understand a lot of people say that because they believe that veganism may be just some trend and let them go vegan, eat their veggies, and if they get sick, whatever. And then some people get upset if they malnourish their children. But what's really going on is that it's being pushed by the government. It's very obvious. Uh, it's not some weird conspiracy theory. They're, they have the ads. The food pyramid is plant-based. It's been for decades. They've been pushing people more and more to take supplements, to eat fake meat. Now the Canada food system, the pyramid also has completely changed and people should eat mostly plants. It's, it's happening everywhere. So this isn't just some trend that's simply going to blow away and we can move on and eat uh, our meat. They really want to give animals rights also. So you will actually be seen as a murderer as they want you to be seen, the vegans. And um, there's uh, vegans moving into politics now in uh, New Zealand, for example, it happened recently, just everywhere. There's, uh, it, it's just important for people to understand that really you should uh, actually do something about it. Milk Jar, the guy from New York City, was the first one to ever do something. And then I kind of followed in his footsteps and uh, I'm hoping to see more and more people actually do something about veganism and stand for human rights. Because if animals are given rights, then uh, that's it. You take away the human right to 
eat naturally. Yeah, I mean, and, 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 and I don't disagree with the fact that, that we're certainly seeing a push to go plant-based. And I think, you know, you know whether government is solidly behind it or not, I mean, we still have some, some animal foods in our, in our guidelines. It's not like they're recommending everyone go vegan, but they're certainly recommending reductions in meat quantity. Um, you know, but I certainly think there's a lot of corporations that are going to benefit significantly from these alternate protein sources, these Beyond Meat burgers. You know, we're seeing a huge push. You know, in the media, which is obviously paid for by the by the by the you know the processed food companies and the pharmaceutical industries, and so I think there's certainly that going on. Um, you know, what is why do you think that? Uh, well, I mean, we've had a lot of people on talking about you know this, the 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 nutrient quality of, of meat versus plants. I mean, I think that's pretty clear. There's a but it's a superior source. Um, you know, let's talk a little bit about the reception you've had with uh doing this i mean what when you when you show up at an event and i've seen it i watched a couple of your videos i saw one where you were you were actually arrested in the uk uh for for standing on public what i assume was public property i don't know was it a private event was it public property and the police were called because they felt they were upset apparently the vegans up there were upset that you're eating a you know a raw raw squirrel which is you know not not typical food most people don't eat raw squirrels but certainly there are people that have eaten squirrels for I mean, squirrels have been on the menu for humans for a long time. I know there's people like uh, people in the United States that still eat squirrel, uh, so it's not like it's unheard of. But you were, called, but that, that apparently upset some people, and you were arrested. So, what's been your general? And I know you've done these sort of protests all throughout the world. What's been the general reception uh, up, up to this point? The general reception of the vegans is the they get they get quite aggressive. Uh, some of them simply try to ignore you and uh, tell others not to engage because they don't want any conflict because they all, they just think that we are there to get attention or that it's some kind of joke for us. They don't even come to ask. And then we try to explain to them, hey, veganism is malnutrition. You can't actually get these and these nutrients. They don't listen. It's, it's, it's like really like talking to a wall. There's very few who do though. So it's in the end always worth it. In uh, Germany, when I did it for the first time, the police um, warned us and banned us from the market, which was a public spot. But that's also because in Germany you have to announce a protest if you want to protest, which is to me very ridiculous because it's really, the you, how can you call it free speech, right? It's way different <laughs> in the United States. It's same in the Netherlands, we did it there also. Uh, vegan got the, the, actually that was the organizer he got very aggressive, told me to leave and came out again, was starting to touch the camera and um, uh, assaulted me, like really went with his shoulder and jumped on me and pushed me, like really attacked me. And I just attacked him back and then he stopped. That's also on video. That's, that, that was the most popular event that I did because that was the first one that actually got media attention. It went all over the earth uh, in all the news. Um, in the United States also, people didn't, confront us as much. I don't know why. It's just a different kind of society where you maybe don't want to get engaged. And I, I can't possibly say why people are people there are like that. Uh, in the UK, yeah, they were quite aggressive and uh, ca called us every possible name. <laughs> Very insulting. Um, uh, one of the, actually two of the guys said that if there wasn't anybody there, they would uh, pretty much beat me up or uh, definitely punched me in the face. Uh, of course, I don't take it serious. I'm not afraid of any of them. I, but 
they were definitely trying to intimidate me. Um, and then in London, yes, we were, well, I was arrested and the other guy who was eating the squirrel, it was a subscriber of mine. And uh, that was because uh, of, uh, well, we were supposedly uh, offending people or it was called uh, disorderly behavior. So <laughs> even though, as you said yourself, people eat squirrels and gray squirrels actually are a pest in the UK. So they should thank us for eating them because they destroy the original squirrels in England. And uh, we are supposed to still get a fine for what we did. Um, uh, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, that's, that's still open. And also in Manchester, maybe you saw I was uh, attacked by one of the vegans. They threw paint on me, uh, pink paint. Um, and that was the last one I did. There's also another uh, one coming up, which I will post tomorrow on my channel from London. Uh, where we went into a vegan cafe, we started eating meat because that's what vegans often do. They protest in, uh, in so-called meat eater restaurants. And um, they assaulted us also. She pushed me quite hard and uh, the guy also grabbed me, grabbed my arm and tried to uh, yeah, walk us out of it, so to speak, just uh, forcefully, obviously. And uh, at the end, she also kicked one of the uh, one of the people in the group. So yeah, they definitely get violent. Uh, they're, so, I mean, they're not for me, free speech. Just, you know, let me just ask because you know, and I'm not in favor of you know things coming to violence. I mean, I you know, I just wonder. You know, I'm sure it'll. I'm sure it's going to happen. Same thing we see with the Australia with the with the vegan protesters in the, on the farms, and you know, they come on and kind of just overrun the farm with a hundred people, and and uh, that's obviously. You know the the, the 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 possibility of violence happening is here, and I don't. I, I just to be on record. I don't want to see that happen. But when people are kicking you and punching you and shoving you and throwing uh, paint, which you know, you know, you get it in your eyes, you could potentially damage your eyes. I mean, are there any assault charges that are anybody being, has anybody of those people been arrested or anything like that? Has any of that happened to those guys that have, that have done that? No, the guy who threw the paint, he ran away. One of the guys was holding him, but then uh, they split apart. Uh, the police was called and uh, I suppose they were supposed to look for him, but I, I don't really think that the police takes it serious. Uh, yeah, if somebody would find out his identity, then I could give it to the police and they would uh, probably do something, but I don't think much would happen. I, I've never really seen anything happen to the vegans, so. but I also haven't done anything very serious. With the paint, you're right, yeah, I could have... Uh, it did actually go into my eye and then I quickly started to wash it out. Yeah, you, you definitely have an, what I would consider a very unique or interesting perspective with your in-person encounter with some of these groups. Cause I think like I'm probably not outside the norm as someone who <clears throat> can say like, I don't think I've ever had a negative in-person encounter with a vegan. In fact, you know, I know a few vegans and I've met vegans and, in, in person, like, you know, they've always been super nice to me and, and typically just don't really care what I'm eating or if they even know what I'm eating, don't seem to have a big problem with it. And it seems like most of the conflict is like on these online forums or where people get a little more emboldened and maybe the, the vocal minority gets their voice heard a little more than the, than the whole group. But for you, you find yourself in these situations where 
you're probably with the vocal minority because I, I'm, my guess is the, the majority of vegans who aren't looking to kind of push the agenda on someone else aren't going to probably show up to some of these things. So you have this unique situation where you're maybe meeting the folks that are berating people online in person <laughs> and it, it, it can end up being like, uh, you know, a less than ideal situation as you've experienced. But what have you noticed within that group of protesters? Have you seen like, is there, is there a kind of like a divide of folks who want to kind of like ultimately live up to the message of be kind and be kind to you as well as the animals? And then a group that are willing to, you know, really target you either physically or verbally. And then like, do those groups or those two kind of sets of the vegan groups kind of police one another at all? Or how does that interaction kind of play out? Mm -hmm. I believe that they are in some way threatened by me because uh, I announced, for example, in the UK, the tour, and then they thought that uh, maybe uh, it would somehow affect veganism, but uh, that's why a lot of them react that way. I wouldn't know how they are otherwise. I've met some vegans who are uh, okay. We met somebody who actually talked to us uh, politely, I would say, and uh, uh, said that he's actually against uh, all of these assaults and the name calling that we should try to get along. But it, it just gets to a point where you say that you should eat the animals and they, of course, want to protect the animals. And then usually one side gets somewhat aggressive because it's just it's just a really different understanding of how things should be. And uh, I... I'm definitely sure that uh, veganism does affect the brain. And that's one of the reasons why after a while, maybe not after a year or two, but after five years, they really get anxious and uh, really quite quickly agitated, whatever it's about. And I know it is because I have interviewed many, many ex-vegans at this point, and most of them get these mental problems. So it also has to do with the diet that they just can't accept somebody else's opinions makes you close-minded in a way. Yeah, you know, I think, I, I think it's what you said is really interesting because I think up until, I guess, fairly recently, we would kind of see the, the positive side of plant-based or the positive side of, of the vegan movement, at least like in the mainstream media. Uh, and it's like anything, there's always kind of two sides to the story and the one side sometimes has to get enough momentum for the pendulum to swing and the other side to kind of fire up and say, Hey, wait a second, look at this. So I think when I, when I see stuff that like you're putting out stuff that uh, like Bobby Risto is putting out and that Sean is putting out where they're putting a spotlight on some of these folks who went through the vegan lifestyle and ultimately had their health fail and turn back. I think those are great messages to put alongside some of these you know, maybe vegan success stories like the Rich Rolls or the Scott Jerks of the world so that people can kind of say like, okay, here's, here's what I have available to me in terms of information. I need to make a decision as to whether I want to risk going this way or not. But when you have a situation where only the one side, only the positives gets expelled that, or gets expounded, then you've had this situation where people feel like if it doesn't work, it's their fault and they feel like a failure, they feel like, you know, they're somehow um, not doing something right. And I think that's the wrong message for sure to send to anyone trying to, you know, take control of their health via, you know, 
any type of a diet. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Not much again, to say again, let me, let me just, um, you know, cause you mentioned as Jonas Vanderplanitz and he was a, a proponent of, you know, raw primal diet, which was raw meat and some other raw foods and raw honey and a few other things. And, uh, he, I guess he died, I think it was in Thailand several years ago after a, Mm-hmm. He collapsed under him. Uh, he apparently, I think he said he was autistic. I saw a little bit. I don't know that much about him, but um, you are, you know, in favor or in generally in favor of a more of a raw meat based approach. And I, from my understanding is you prefer that you think that's a, that's a superior way to do that. What is, what is, what sort of has made, made you decide that? I mean, there's a lot of people now, as you're probably aware, doing a carnivore diet. Some people are doing it raw. Some people do it cook. I've experimented with both. Uh, personally, you know, maybe I haven't done raw long enough. I haven't seen enough of a difference that, that it compels me that it's, that, that it's that much different, but I mean, you know, like, you know, I mean, there's certainly levels of, you know, d- nutritional, uh, effectiveness and there may be, you know, just and I, and I, and whether I disagree or, or, or agree, I mean, in your mind, you could, you could say a raw, raw diet was the best. And then, and then maybe a meat-based diet is second best. And then a omnivorous diet is third best and then maybe a vegetarian vegan diet would be the worst. I mean, is that fair to say, or what's making you sort of, do you still eat some cooked meat or what's the deal on, on your current diet? Pretty much on my diet. Um, I eat, uh, 99% raw. I, I don't, uh, since when I was vegan afterwards, I said, I'll never be dogmatic about what I eat anymore because it just becomes a religion. So yeah, I'll eat, uh, rare steaks for example if somebody invites me to a restaurant i don't care right i'll I'll never be religious about what i eat but yes i do prefer raw that's simply because after veganism i went on a cooked ketogenic diet which was um, cooked steaks uh, also some dairy some nuts a little bit but it was uh, quite low carb and pretty typical of what people eat no vegetables also i couldn't digest them anyway i was allergic to all of them pretty much and no fruit and I just couldn't recover. I couldn't regain my strength. And uh, I had heard about the raw meat. And uh, later then I found Ajna's Wonder Planets and some other people, but he was the main one who really promoted it. Then I thought, wow, okay. I never really in my life thought about it. I just went with the programming and just cooked everything. I just thought you kind of have to, or you get sick from it. So I just tried eating uh, raw eggs and then I tried the raw meat and I just thought, felt like, wow, okay, all of my life I've been eating wrong. I was actually supposed to eat this because I just absolutely felt that this is natural. This is how humans are supposed to eat. And then I, of course, looked more and more into it and find out, found out that a lot of tribes and so on eat that way. And I just experienced a lot of healing and I regained my strength and uh, started working out again. I actually got uh, quite strong, as, as strong as I've never been before in my life which I couldn't achieve with the cooked meat before I went vegan. I also used to work out for some years. No, a lot of it changes and a big difference, of course, when you eat cooked meat, I do sort of feel it in my stomach. Whereas when I eat raw meat, even if it's two pounds of it, I just don't feel it in my stomach. It just digests perfectly. So that alone tells me, Hey, it's good for me. If I don't feel it in my stomach and I get so much energy from it and then, I digest it so perfectly, then it's absolutely the thing I should eat. And um, about Ajna's Wonder Planets, 
he used to be autistic, which he blamed on the vaccines that he got as a child and also some other stuff. And then uh, what he said is that he healed it uh, with uh, raw milk and uh, other stuff. And he was also actually a vegan fruitarian for many years after the raw milk. So sort of a vegetarian also in between. And then he found out about the raw meat and uh, then he taught that for over 20 years. So he was very informed about all of it. He did a lot of lab tests. He was a, yeah, a science guy. He wasn't just some guy writing some books and selling stuff. That's what a lot of people don't know. But once you read the books, you can really see the laboratory experiments and everything to really prove that the uh, stuff about bacteria, parasites, all of that, which we've been taught, this is why you shouldn't eat the raw meat. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, you know, when you look at human evolution and, you know, assuming you, 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 someone believes in that, I mean, it's clear that humans, you know, ate raw meat for most of our existence. I mean, it's, I don't think that's a mystery. We didn't discover it. We didn't really control fire, you know, arguably for 400,000 years ago. And, and even then, many people still chose to eat raw meat. I mean, there are still societies today that you can, you know, it's pretty common, you know, you people talk about sushi, it's raw, raw, basically raw meat. And, and, and you know, all over the world, that's not uncommon. So I don't, I don't find that particularly all that problematic. I mean, here in the United States, my, most people think that's a little crazy, but throughout much of the world, that's, that's not really a, you know, kind of a big issue. You know, one of the concerns I would people talk about is, you know, contamination. Um, do you have any concerns about that? I mean, understanding that a normal human being has an extremely acidic gastric pH uh, and we can, we can, we can deal with unwanted sort of pathogens, I suppose. Um, have you had any issues uh, with, with infection, getting sick from, from, from eating raw? Yeah, actually, that's the funny thing. It was the, <laughs> the only time was in the first week when I started, and it didn't stop me at all. And I didn't understand much back then. I was still learning. And uh, I believe the same as Ajanis Wonderplanet's thought is that you can get sick from any parasites, bacteria, but you can only get sick from toxins, which is why it's called food poisoning. There's actual poisons. And what I got sick from was uh, non-organic bone marrow. So I just bought some meat from a butcher, which I've never done after. I only tried to buy free-range or organic, uh, is what they call. Not that I'm a big fan of the label organic. I don't think it means that much, but I never had any problems with any organic meat after. And I still have bone marrow right now in the fridge and I eat it raw. And there's no problem, but I did eat it from a bad butchery and got uh, just typical food poisoning, uh, diarrhea and whatnot. Uh, and um, later on, I found out that uh, if animals get uh, vaccines, for example, or their diet is uh, in some way contains toxins and antibiotics, then the body stores the toxins if it can't can't excrete it in the bone marrow because that's where the white blood cells are and so on so it's and it stays there so the way i see it this is what i ate it was just a sick animal because it was a bad butchery from a bad farm and yeah i got the food poisoning from it so i was simply careful from then on although i have ate a lot of uh, muscle meat from just because i traveled a lot all of uh, these last three years from just some random butcheries. I never had a problem. It's really, really the real concern is when you eat the fat where the toxins can be stored or the organs, uh, bone marrow being an organ, then you get the problems. Yeah. And especially liver, it will taste bitter. 
so you really have to watch out when you eat organs that it's from a good source. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, just to the point on bone marrow, uh, it's a hemopoietic organ. It basically where our blood cells are formed. And so we have a lot of uh, precursor red, red and white blood cells are in the bone marrow. And that's kind of interesting. And, and as we get older, it, be, it becomes replaced with fat. So it's an interesting, and an older animal probably has more fat in the bone marrow. So let me talk about some more controversial topics that you have either discussed or been involved with. And so one is, you know, the, the people have talked, you, you've sort of mentioned that cannibalism, uh, maybe it's socially acceptable, maybe it's not. I mean, humans certainly engage in cannibalism. I mean, it's clear that humans ate other humans. I mean, that's, we know that. And you've, you, you've kind of weighed in on that kind of controversially. And then I think I saw somewhere where you actually maybe even drank some human blood. So talk about those two issues or, or clear up any misconceptions we have around, around your oh, perceptions. Your I don't even know who said it. I've never said it in any of my videos. <laughs> I, I, uh, I made a documentary, which is the first anti-vegan documentary. It's called The NWO Diet, where I, at the end, showed that the, the royals, for example, they used to drink blood. And actually, 200, 300 years ago in London, you could buy human body parts and eat them. And that was called corpse medicine. And it was like fermented human body parts also. So this used to be sort of normal back then. It's, it hasn't been that long that it changed. And that's all that I said is that the royals, for example, used to be into it officially. It's not, it's not some conspiracy theory that there's books about it. They admit this. A lot of the royals used to be into this. And uh, everybody's probably heard of the royals bathing in the blood and such to heal or rejuvenate them and all of those stories. Uh, whether that happens still or not is a different story. I was just pointing out how in history that's been going on. Never said it to anybody. So, so you're not that. a proponent of cannibalism, just to, just to get that off the road. Right, yeah, yeah. I never so, said I mean, that. And it's, you know, and clearly like, you know, we have cultures like the, the Mayans or, or the Aztecs or Mayans, I can't remember both, you know, they were into human sacrifice and they would eat the uh, eat the body parts of, the, right. of their, of their uh, you know, the foes they vanquished in battle. And that was a common thing. And so, I mean, clearly that is something humans engaged in. And, you know, it's kind of funny, the, some of the uh, folks on the vegan camp will equate, you know, eating, uh, you know, they'll, they'll say it's no different eating a cow than it is eating a human baby. I mean, they'll, they'll, they'll literally say that, you know, because if we, if we condone eating sentient beings, whether there's, whether it's they're, they're, they're snails or, or scallops or clams or, you know, grasshoppers or, uh, you know, cows, that's the same as a human being. And so, therefore, if you, if, you, if you advocate eating meat of any type, then you should be comfortable eating other humans, which I think is a ridiculous argument. But uh, that's what I've been, you know, told. And I'm sure you've heard all of that from, from the various uh -huh. detractors you get. All right. Now for a word from our sponsors. All right, folks, this episode of the Human Performance Outliers podcast is brought to you by ButcherBox. ButcherBox offers you convenience by delivering your meat right to your door with free shipping. They also offer quality by having options such as 100% grass-fed and grass-finished beef, heritage breed pork, and free-range chicken. They also offer value with their goal to make clean meat accessible to as many people as possible by partnering with a collective of small farms. They are able to deliver you the best products for less than $6 per meal. They often run promos on their website for subscribers to get things like free pork or free bacon. If you enter 
promo code HPO at checkout, you can also knock an additional $20 off your first subscription. So head over to butcherbox.com and place your first order. Now back to the show. What is, um, so let me ask you about, um, you know, your personal experience as you, you know, you, you know, you said you were sick, you had a lot of stomach digestive issues on a vegan diet, and then you've been on a, on a meat-based diet for how long now? A couple of years, I assume. Is that what is? What raw is, meat I've been eating for over three years now. Yeah. And what has been the, what has been your experience health-wise? Health-wise, the mental clarity is um, very clear, so to speak. And um, it's just a happiness in everyday life, enjoying life the way you should, because uh, I didn't realize it, but most of my life, likely I was, uh, I wouldn't say depressed, but definitely not how it should be when you're, when you enjoy life and you're happy to be alive and you wake up every day. I didn't have that most of my life. And that's because of the diet. Uh, there's um, great teachers such as Sally Fallon or Dr. Natasha Campbell, who talk about when we eat, really eat the right food, we produce, uh, the bacteria in our gut produce these hormones and other chemicals which flow to our brain and make us feel like we are high, uh, which is why a lot of people get drug, drug addicted because that's how we are actually supposed to feel. And this is my own experience, especially when I eat high meat, which you may have heard about. This is what Ajnus Vandenplanz also promoted. It's rotten meat or fermented. And um, it tastes quite similar to blue cheese if you've ever had it. So, for example, when people see high meat, they will find it disgusting a lot of times, but then again, they eat blue cheese and it tastes literally the same and it's very similar. So it's also just rotten cheese parts of it. And this also makes me feel like, for example, if I listen to music that I've listened to before, 10 minutes after eating high meat, I just feel super high. Like I'm listening to something new and uh, just these feelings that go through you. That's the number one reason why I eat a raw meat is to feel this way. Of course, other things are, as I said, the just the no digestive issues, just perfect digestion, just the way it should be. You don't, you don't go to the toilet five times as a vegan. You maybe go once a day, uh, depending on how much you eat, maybe twice, but it's not the, not the constant running to the toilet or you don't get constipated also, which can also happen to people with a plant-based diet. No, no problems whatsoever. Um, just a, a lot of stuff. Uh, overall, I just feel really good. I feel healthy. If I can jump in real quick, I just have a, a question. I've done like some fermenting of vegetables and kombucha and stuff in the past, but I've never fermented meat as I'm guessing most of our listeners will be in the same ballpark as me with that. What What is the process of fermenting fermenting meat like how do you go about that like what's the timeline what's the procedures how do you make sure you do it right so you end up with that end product that you're looking for it's quite simple you put it in a jar and you fill it halfway so that you leave some space for the oxygen because you're supposed to give it to the bacteria so everything grows everything ferments so you create these chemicals by the bacteria feeding on the meat and of course i don't know the exact process of what happens because it hasn't been exactly studied i was just wonderful and studied it somewhat and measured that there's more K2 in fermented meat from the fermentation process, but that's pretty much all that's really been studied on it uh, nutritionally. And then you leave it uh, for around two, three months and you air it every three to five days to simply let in more oxygen. 
And uh, if you do liver, for example, because most muscle meat tastes about the same, then it will end up tasting really, really good. Uh, everybody who has tried it, they just say that it tastes really good and they're surprised that it does. It pretty much tastes like um, cherry wine mixed with dark chocolate. Uh, that's, that's what most people say. If you like wine, you would probably like that. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think it's really interesting because, you know, I think I always find myself going back in time in my mind thinking about how people, you know, did things before we had some of the modern technology. Like, I mean, even refrigerators and freezers are incredibly modern inventions. And uh, when you think of someone, you know, harvesting an animal in the wild, like especially a large one, you know, you can kind of think, well, maybe if they had a big enough tribe, they would eat it so fast that they didn't have to worry about it going bad or they found a way to preserve it with salts or burying it in water and stuff like that. But when you introduce a whole other concept of like the fermenting of it, you can essentially preserve it for quite a long time. And it would make sense that that's, that's where that would have maybe began or that's when that first got explored. Hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think there's, like you said, Zach, we talked about this with Mickey Mendor and others, you know, I mean, you know, the, the, the ancient ways of dealing with meat excess because they had access to these big animals that, you know, obviously you kill a mammoth and you, you know, maybe you've got 10 or 12 people in your clan. I mean, you're going to eat on that mammoth for, for probably many months. And so, you know, you can hang it up to dry. You can, you know, you can stick it in the snow. You might ferment it. How much, I mean... And I and I and I've had fermented shark in Iceland, you know, which is a little different. They pickle, they, they kind of have it in whey protein, you know, they pickle it in whey, and it's you know sitting out. And, you know, it tasted pretty sour to me. I, honestly, I didn't I didn't find it all that particularly enjoyable. I mean, uh, sorry to Ivor if he's listening, who, who gave it to me, but uh, um, you know, how what percentage of your diet do you do that with, or is that something you eat regularly every day, or is it something you eat every once in a while? I eat it. Um, I try to eat it at least once a week. Uh, twice maybe three times uh, a week uh, would be better I, right now i didn't actually have any um for a while because of the traveling also but a lot of my subscribers also do thankfully because they're also into it so i can uh, get it from them uh, such as in the uk i could and some actually even brought it especially for me to taste their high meat so that i can say hey it tastes good because some people just don't know because it's just still very weird for people to eat rotten meat they're still pretty very about it right now i'm for i know right now i've got a lot of high meat fermenting all kinds of stuff such as lungs and spleen and kidneys and so on so I'd, i've never heard of anybody that has tried those things so that will be interesting i will make separate videos tasting those new high meats and also the word high those words high meat the name comes from uh, the eskimos so that's what Ajus Wonderland said because they used to bury the fish for a year underground and then they took it out and they ate it before winter and they get, they get really high from it. Uh, so this is why they call it high meat. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm just wondering, you know, like I said, maybe there's maybe more vitamin K2, which is, you know, the animal form of vitamin K, but um, other than feeling high, I mean, is there any, I mean, is there any, I want a great nutritional advantage for doing this? You know, I mean, maybe people just don't want to feel high and they're just happy happy being uh, normal. Let me ask you, cause you said, you know, you know, you, you know, you notice a general state of happiness with eating raw meat, high meat, meat in general. Um, in, in, in years past, prior to all this stuff, did you have issues with depression and, and things like that? 
No, as I said before, I never had uh, any, I wouldn't say anything like depression, but uh, I just, like I said, I didn't feel uh, every day when I wake up this feeling of really being happy of being alive. I, I just didn't have that. So maybe I was at 70, 80% because I did eat quite a lot of eggs and meat all of my life cooked. So I, I don't know if I, well, not as a child, but maybe starting as a teenager more so. When I understood that it's important in some way, my intuition maybe told me that I should eat more animal foods. But I, I probably didn't have the worst diet on earth all of my life, which is why I didn't do that bad. Um, I, I always drank a, a lot of milk, for example, pasteurized milk. So it was all not top level food for sure. Um, but no, it's just uh, it's still quite a difference. For sure. So just because I can tell that there's a difference now obviously means that I used to feel not that well. Now you grew up in uh, you grew up in Latvia. How long did you live in Latvia, and what is uh, what is the diet of Latvia like uh, back when you grew up and currently? Is is there are they going plant based too, or is it still yeah. fairly? I mean, I don't know what the traditional Latvian diet is. Um, th th there's not really a typical diet because it used to be part of the Soviet Union. So it's more really Russian-based because it's, it's very Russian-influenced. So a lot of people always ask me what's a typical food there, and there really isn't. It's usually, if you look it up, it actually comes from Russia. And that would, it's very grain-based, very, very. And uh, vegetables somewhat, some berries in summer. Fruit, uh, they started importing fruit in the 80s, 90s. Really, there was hardly any fruit except for apples. Uh, so that was all quite new to Latvia. Um, but yeah, what really messes it up are grains for sure. A plus also sort of off topic, but it's the leading country uh, of vaccines. The people there get the most vaccines than anywhere else in Europe, 10 as a child. And I don't know how you what do you think about vaccines? But I definitely don't think that that helps in any way. Yeah, that's a, that's a controversial topic. And I'm, 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 I'm embroiled in enough controversy just with this nutrition stuff. So I can't <laughs> try not to get too, uh, right, right, right. too far down those things. But uh, let me, uh, so what has been, um, you, you've made a lot, uh, besides these vegan deterioration videos, you've made, you've done a lot of interviews with, with ex- vegans, vegetarians, um, I don't know how many you've done now. Do you find that, there, that you see a lot of those folks reaching out to you for, you know, wanting to tell their story or, or for help? Sure, and as long as veganism goes on, there will always be ex-vegans. Uh, yeah, there's people all over the earth, uh, mostly from the United States and Europe. Uh, um, it's mostly women also, but it's because most vegans are women. It's... Uh, emotional aspect that gets them into it quite often, seeing the animals suffer in the factory farms. Um, yeah. What would you say when, when, we're, when you're talking to someone who's following like a vegan lifestyle and then came back to either omnivory or carnivory in, in like your, your case, what, what are they ultimately rationalizing as their return? Because I know they're, they're certainly probably getting some pushback from the community saying, you know, it's it's bigger than you you can't kill the animals are they looking to something and saying like well 
ultimately something has to die in order for me to live. And really the only way to be completely compassionate about something else's life is to just let mine wither away and die. Or right. like, what are, what is, cause I mean, for me, like, you know, I, you know, I've looked at this just to see like, you know, I mean, I've eaten meat my whole life and, you know, I, I listened to what the, the vegan message is and the ethical debate and all that stuff. So like at some point, I think you, you just, you look at it and decide like for yourself, what are the, what are the, what are the alternatives or are there any alternatives? And the conclusion I've come to is like really the most ethical thing would be local grass fed beef, um, grass finished, uh, and if possible hunting, you know, those two things combined, I think would likely cause the least amount of death. If that's your goal to cross the least amount of animal death for your life to continue. Are you seeing a similar view from people moving away from veganism or are they just so kind of entrenched in returning their health that it's, it's, they're not even looking at that any longer? Mm. Usually the vegans say that they didn't do it right. Or also that they were not vegan in the first place because they didn't do it for the ethics. So it's quite often the case they don't realize that it's actually unhealthy. So they get into the morals and animal, killing animals is wrong, blah, blah, blah. And then, of course, they start realizing, oh, wow, I'm getting sick. And uh, but the problem really wasn't eating meat. Uh, really, they were concerned about the factory farming. So, yes, you're right. They definitely, a lot of them actually get into hunting, which, uh, wow, how can you as a vegan? But, yeah, they really do. And... Um, also, I've never heard anybody going back to simply some factory farm meat, except if they have no money, maybe. But really, they always then go for grass-fed and uh, organic and all of that. So they definitely start understanding a lot more about health. They research nutrition also. And yeah, a lot of vegans do admit that they had no clue actually about nutrition because it really is a more emotional base for a lot of people. And uh, to, to them, veganism isn't even a diet anyway. It's just something that you do not to kill the animals. So it's, it's as I call it, it's definitely a religion, but uh, you may see it as however you want to see it, but it's just a very blind belief in it. You just go along with it. You, you should not kill the animals. And <laughs> you just don't look into the health aspect. You just... You just sort of blindly believe that it's the healthiest diet on earth and really it's just a man-made diet that people haven't been doing for long at all we just don't know what what the outcomes will be hey, let me let me uh because I've, I've heard you make this point before and you say that uh it's a man-made diet and you know most people would say well yeah sure if you're eating uh processed foods uh twinkies doritos potato chips you know cookies that's clearly man-made but you go farther and say that vegetables and fruits are man-made. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure, yeah. Well, it's a man-made idea. And of course, the food that they eat is also man-made in the sense that I made a video about this and I show pictures of how carrots used to look like, for example. Now you've got these orange things, which are, I suppose, for some people quite tasteful. It has a somewhat sweet taste. But then you have the original carrots that you pull out of the ground. It's just this thin brown stick and it it's full of carotoxin, which in the cultivated carrots is very little. So, but when you actually eat the original wild carrots, you get tons of carotoxin, which is very bitter. And all you want to do is spit out the carrot because that's how natural vegetables are. I don't know any example of any vegetables that humans find appetizing or in any way appealing 
and then you've got kale, cabbage, broccoli, and some other of the, uh, those green plants, which all come from this one little green plant, which looks nothing like those, but they cultivated it over hundreds of years and made it into what we have now. So now it doesn't really taste that terrible, but it still doesn't taste good. And this is, whereas the fruit now, uh, it tastes uh, way more appetizing because you've got a lot of sugar. It's sort of a similar process because they also cultivated it. Uh, they created a lot of hybrids such as oranges, just a hybrid. And uh, they made it taste very sweet. And of course, now you even have the seedless uh, uh, watermelons, for example. When you look at a picture of how watermelons used to look like, completely different because usually fruit was uh, mostly seeds. I have eaten wild fruit. I, I know how it is. It's mostly seeds. It's maybe 30% fruit flesh. And uh, it tastes definitely not the sugary. Uh, it doesn't taste very bad. It's, it's not like humans couldn't eat it. And I think that we would in nature now and then, especially berries. But it's not, it's not something you could, you could even, you couldn't even get it all around the year anyway. And even if you could, it wouldn't be very, something that you would really want to eat all the time because most of it seems quite sour and bitter. Even the original apples were, I even know some from back then from Latvia, they were just not really something you want to put into your mouth. But there are some exceptions of some fruit that is, is all right. Uh, I've so, I also posted pictures of original avocados. It's like it's maybe 20% actual avocado and the rest is a big seed. Now they made the seeds much smaller, so you get, you get more food out of it. If you would only get wild plants, uh, there would be no vegans. It's very simple. If you didn't have supermarkets, because you're not going to find broccolis or those big uh, mangoes growing in your forest, and most people in Europe anyway, because it doesn't grow here whatsoever, <laughs> not even the wild kind. There's just this, um, all the food is man-made and imported from all over the place. And uh, vegans don't care that it's not natural because a lot of vegans say that nature is actually bad and we should change nature because killing animals is bad to them. So nature is bad. <laughs> it's, it's very, it's very ridiculous to me to hear that. Yeah. I mean, when you, you know, you think about the number of people that are eating protein bars and, you know, obviously that's just, they don't think they don't bat an eye at eating that stuff. Cause that's, that's just normal, normal human diet these days, or you know, maybe not human diet, but normal, normal, what people tend to eat, even though it's highly abnormal for what humans are supposed to eat. Uh, so to, to try to make the argument that, that our, our modern fruit is that abnormal, most people are not even going to consider that because they're like, well, we already eat so much fake stuff anyway. I mean, just because the fruit was, you know, radically changed from what we might have had, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50,000 years ago. So, I mean, it's, you know, it's, but, it, but, it's, a, but, it, but it's a valid argument. Um, you know, there's a, you talk a lot about, you know, I mean, in nature, you know, and I mean, we've got a natural diet. And you also talk, I, I've seen you talk about, uh, there, there's, you know, humans now live in cities, we live in, uh, we work in office cubicles, we spend our day in our car, we stare at a screen all day long. Um, what are your thoughts on that regarding, uh, and I know you, you're, you, you, you sort of a proponent, let's get outside and get out in nature. What, 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 what are your thoughts on that? Um, what exactly about life in nature? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm, oops, my microphone went crazy. Hang on. How's that? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm just saying that, uh, humans are not 
sort of in our native environment anymore. You know, you're sitting, I'm sitting in a house, you're sitting in a house, Zach's sitting in a house. Talk a little bit about how that impacts human health or human happiness or the existence. Sure, of course. Well, one thing right now is that I'm sitting in the sunlight and uh, most people don't do that. And uh, I've realized that I I can't be healthy or happy without a lot of sunlight. Uh, So that's one thing that uh, obviously you don't get if you're at work most uh, all day long and you get out in the evening and uh, for example sleeping also is something uh, well I, I sleep on the floor and um, it's quite a lot more comfortable to sleep on a harder surface if you would sleep on earth it wouldn't be hard as a, a cement or outside but it's uh, it should be softer uh, then what it shouldn't be as soft as a bed for sure but uh, it also shouldn't be the way it is um, um, okay because you talk about uh sunlight and clearly uh people are seeing uh health benefits from being out in the sun, you know, you know, people talk about vitamin D, you know, conversion, you know, whether that's important or not. Um, and, and I think many people realize that sun exposure is okay. You've been, I don't know if criticized or, or some people have been, been pointed out something that you engage in something called sun gazing at a period right. of time where you look at the sun. Uh, talk, talk, I have no idea about that. I don't, I, I've got no knowledge whatsoever about the potential benefits. And, you know, I've been told since a kid, don't stare at the sun, you'll hurt your eyes. But, what is the what is the deal with sun gazing? Right, yeah, people find it quite crazy, even though it's the most natural thing in the world. It, yeah, if you look at the simple life that we have in nature, without all the computers and such, as you said, then uh, the most beautiful thing there is, and it's of course still is, is a sunrise and a sunset, because all you've got is some water, earth, and trees, and then of course, if there is a sunset, you're gonna look at the sunset, and it doesn't hurt your eyes. Nothing's going to happen. Uh, I used to wear glasses all of my life. Then I started wearing contact lenses. And um, I, I just, uh, I, real, I found out about sun gazing and at the same time also just didn't want to do that anymore. So I stopped doing it and uh, started actually looking at the sunset and the sunrise. And uh, after five, six months, which is before I went vegan, I actually healed my eyes. And uh, my vision just got a lot sharper every time I did it. and. Uh, I know this from many, many people, uh, from experience, uh, I can already say that it works for people. And of course you shouldn't look at it when it's, uh, when it's, un- uh, when, it's un- when you're s- simply don't feel comfortable. If you would go out right now and try to stare at the noon sun, it would be uncomfortable for your eyes and you shouldn't do it. You should listen to your senses, but uh, there's absolutely no problem when you look at it at the sunset. Yeah, I mean, I mean, people, you know, you go to the, I go to the beach and watch the sunset and you know, sit there and stare at that for an hour. And it's beautiful. You're right. It's beautiful. And so, but when you, you mean, and we had a guy on um, uh, Jake Steiner talking about correcting uh, 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 myopia via, you know, looking off into the distance and I, you know, obviously looking at the sun, the sun is 93 million miles away from, from the earth. So that's obviously a distant viewing and focusing on that. But when you say it healed your eyes, what do you mean by that? I just had bad vision. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I don't know what my vision is right now. I haven't uh, 
checked it, but it used to be, well, basically I couldn't really see very well. If somebody was across the street, I couldn't really, couldn't tell who that really was. It was that bad. Uh, although the numbers are only something like mine. I don't even know if it was minus plus uh, three, four, some, something around there. It was one eye like this, one eye plus, one eye minus or something was quite weird. But uh, I just don't have those problems anymore. I can see clear. It's probably not perfect, uh, I would guess, but uh, I haven't worn glasses or anything since then. I uh, do everything I need on the computer. I can see everything from far away. It's just no problems whatsoever. And yeah, that, that happened with some guys. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and, and like I said, maybe it's just staring off at a distant object. I don't know, Zach, have, sure. you, been work, have you been working on your... Uh, have you been working on your vision there, Zach? I mean, you're outside all the time, so I don't know, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, the, the, the Jake Steiner episode was really, really fascinating. I, I definitely tried to focus on, like, zoning in on distant objects, which is something I wouldn't have done in the past. You just kind of, like, I, I don't know what it is. Maybe you just don't really ever nowadays need to really focus in on distant objects. You can just, like, kind of walk up to it. <laughs> Whereas in the past, maybe there'd be more of a use for it, but my, my vision, I guess, has never been a problem for me for the most part. So um, I do it just because I think it's interesting, but I don't know that I could necessarily confirm or deny that I've improved my vision at all, but I haven't sun gazed either. So <laughs> maybe that's the next step. <laughs> Many people swear by the Bates <clears throat> method, which I don't know much about it, but I've heard from quite a few people that they improve their eyesight, which is also focusing on an object. Mm -hmm. So. It's true that the sun gazing could be completely about that, or at least partly about actually focusing on an object. Yeah, and I mean, my biggest eye issue historically has been when I was younger, I was told by an eye doctor that uh, in one of my eyes, the muscles were weaker than the other side. So like when I get tired, those muscles, I guess, weaken quicker. And then, you know, my eye, I'll, maybe see see double or something unless I concentrate on it but that's usually like something that happens maybe during the near the end of the day if anything um so I don't know like what what would be if there'd be any value in potentially getting those well I mean there'd be value in getting those muscles strengthened to the point where that doesn't happen I don't know where where sun gazing would fit into that if that would have any any effect or not be interesting to find out though Hey guys, let me go back to uh, something earlier, and I think we might have talked about this before we started recording. Maybe we didn't. Hopefully, we didn't. But you had sort of said that you know you've been doing all these protests, and what you're at this point, you're encouraging other people to take up the same sort of mantle, take up the arms, and and do the same thing. And you'd like to see more people show up at vegan events and and point out that there's problems with nutrition that it potentially is harmful. You'd like to see more people maybe go to vegan restaurants and in protests, uh, um, is, that, is, that, is that what you're trying to encourage people to do currently? Right, well, I just made a video recently. And um, what the point is that people should actually understand what uh, veganism is about. And it's that they are trying to give animals uh, actual rights so that we can't harm them anymore because they're supposed to be sentient beings as uh, vegans like to say. And that they are creating this fake meat and the lab-grown meat. And uh, once they get rid of factory farming, there will be not as much meat. So they will try to replace it with this fake meat, which is what you see everywhere nowadays. 
in the shops, there's more and more fake meat in the same aisle as the actual real meat from animals. And the, the word meat just comes from me eat. It's just put together. It's an, it's, it was just an old way of saying uh, me as a human, I eat. So it's just, a, it's just what we've been eating forever. And it's very crazy that we've come to this point where now they actually want to change that. And people don't understand that this is uh, it's not really a joke, that you should take it at least a little bit serious and uh, do something about it. And yes, I encourage people to contact me and uh, and uh, find uh, people that uh, go with you to these events, as America and Spain, the United States, some Eastern European country like Romania. And uh, if you would contact me and uh, ask me to get you people to come with you, my subscribers to join you, I will absolutely do that because uh, yeah, I don't get anything out of this. Uh, I just want people to be healthy. That's the main goal here because my channel on YouTube isn't even monetized. So I, I get nothing, I get no money, nothing from it. I just really want to help people. And um, yeah, just see it see this movement spreading. So then even if we fail in the end, and at least I can say that I tried. Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly have significant concerns about, you know, not myself personally, because I, I, I know better. I'm not going to go eat the fake meat. But I mean, you, I'm concerned about my children and, and, you know, even potentially their children down the road as we continue to progress down this, uh, it seems like an uh, you know, an inevitable path towards a processed food supplement-based future, which is, is just uh -huh. clearly not appropriate for human health. And, uh, and, and it's all done in the name of, you know, in my view, mostly, mostly profit. You know, I think that's what we're seeing there. And, and I mean, I think some people try to attach a ethical or environmental argument on there, which I think is not necessarily, doesn't necessarily hold up that well. Um, now you're, you're, I mean, when people go to protest, you're not advocating that they do any, anything violent, are you? I mean, cause I've seen what you do and you basically just stand there, hold up a sign and eat. And I've not seen you engaging in violence or wishing violence or ill on any, any of these people. Are you, you're not advocating for, for any kind of violent type stuff, are you? No, 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 absolutely not. People should uh, do what they want. What I, what I do is eat the raw meat and show people, Hey, you can actually eat raw meat. This is what we are naturally supposed to eat. It's not this processed plant food that you're eating at these festivals because it's a lot of, usually it's about it. It's about promoting these foods. Uh, there is money behind this. There's businesses. They make quite good money from selling uh, plants because they don't have to go through the process of feeding it to animals. They can just sell them directly. So it's good money for these people. And the organizers, actually the guy who went with me in Brighton to the event who was, uh, he was in the business of raw veganism. He actually started veganism in Australia. So he knows a lot about it. And he said that he lost money by being part of VegFest, which is where we were at, which is one of those, probably one of the biggest vegan festivals there is because they charge a lot for uh, having a booth there and then you get way less by actually selling them. So there, there's a lot of uh, financial interest in veganism for sure. Let me go back to another controversial topic uh, just for fun because I don't, I don't really know much about – I don't really get into this stuff. But we talked about sun gazing and the sun 
does the sun revolve around the earth or does the earth revolve around the sun? I know you've been, some people, you, you've got belief that the earth might be flat. Um, talk right. a little bit about that just because I just, I just find that interesting. I can talk about it, but I'm, I'm not super much into the topic anymore. It, it used to be interesting one or two years ago. Uh, I haven't really followed any of it. Uh, I don't, I don't really care if it's flat or triangle or anything because I'm more concerned about this. Uh, uh, I'm open to whatever. Uh, uh, they, there's a lot of things that don't make sense with the globe earth. And I think the most important thing to say is that uh, nobody knows it. And uh, what, what generally, the general reason I also made this is because people simply, when it comes to everything, especially veganism also, they like to just believe and they don't, they don't know. Uh, nobody knows except for people who have actually seen the shape of the earth because something you know is something you sense. You can believe the television images and uh, I understand the reason people do because uh, it's popular opinion. It's, uh, they would say that it's proven by science, which uh, is another religion. People believe it blindly. It's not something that they know. And so it's very understandable why everybody does and why it's all ridiculed. Uh, so I, I also don't know, and I couldn't possibly say, but uh, I'm, yeah, I'm just open to whatever. Uh, you know, yeah, I, I mean, I would agree with your point about science being, um, we certainly, a lot of us revere science, but we have to realize that science is, the definition of science is you, you test hypotheses and when, when things don't hold up, you change your opinion. But a lot of people have gotten to where, I mean, we see that around things like cholesterol and saturated fat. I mean, you know, there's people that did, don't think science is invest, advanced in the last 30 years. But, you know, when I, when I see, uh, you know, and I, you know maybe, there, maybe it's all a conspiracy in their lie, but I see, you know, images from spaceships where they've flown up to the moon and taken a picture of the Earth. It looks, you know, it looks around me. But, again, right. maybe, that's, maybe that's made up, maybe it's not. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of in the belief that we didn't make that stuff up. But, Again, who knows at the end of the day, um, I think this, this stuff is, you know, more that I've spent time and invested in, in, in the nutritional aspect. Um, do you find that, do you feel that you're going to be eating this way for, you know, you said you're not into dogma anymore. Do you find any benefit personally to maybe eating some plants here and there? I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I do it. I do it fruit if I want to gain weight. For example, I did it last summer and it worked and I'm doing it right now actually again, where I, I eat the fructose because I believe that that's the best way to, to gain the weight. But I also know that it's not good in the long term. So in summer, technically in a lot of places on earth, you would get some honey or fruit or in some way you would get some sugar. And likely you would use it because uh, you may get quite thin in winter if you're not such a good hunter. Um, so th th this is the way I see it. Uh, if I gain the weight and I'm at the weight that I want to be, then I simply switch to eating pretty much zero carb again. So I just go through these cycles, but most of the year I eat a ketogenic zero carb diet. Uh, as far as raw meat goes, I, I don't see myself ever changing that diet. I wouldn't possibly know why. The only way would be if they really try to somehow outlaw me, which I don't think that I will really get to see in my life. Uh, I, it's definitely going to get worse and worse if they succeed. 
but I think it will still take a few decades to really push through it and uh, make it so that you, you just can't find meat anywhere at all. Like, even outlawing fishing, for example, which is pretty hard in some countries. You need a license and so on. And you need, in Germany, you need a license to hunt and it's really quite hard and expensive to get it and you gotta go through months of training to get it. So they definitely make it very hard to do that. Yeah, yeah, here in the States with hunting and fishing, I think like there's kind of two ways to look at the regulations behind it. And I think one is it's not as easy as maybe it was in the past where like, you know, your dad passed down the family rifle to you and you just went out and shot something and that was that. Whereas now I think like given the, the, the given just the industrialization and like the growth of humans, it, it's like we, we run into problems if we don't conserve or we don't like manage things because we are part of this whole system, regardless of whether you want to think that or not. Um, we are part of it. And the licensing and all that stuff with hunting and fishing is, is huge for the management of some of these herds. I mean, and that's one of the things that like I find the most intriguing about some of the vegan message in that they would just prefer we let nature do its thing but somehow remove ourselves from that equation, which I don't find how that really matches up or lines up. And when you look at kind of the amount of uh, herd management and animal management and fish fishing management that gets generated from sales on like equipment or taxes on the equipment for that stuff, as well as the, the purchasing of the licensing, it's like, that's where that's kind of coming from. So I think that's, that's kind of, I guess, maybe the benefit of it versus the, I mean, it's a hurdle, I guess, but it's also, it's also kind of giving back to keeping it there for the next group of people, maybe. Guys, do you think, you know, we we're at a point, um, you know, there's some people like, like myself, I mean, we, we've seen almost how ridiculous, you know, when, when there's folks like the Eat Lancet report came out, which is funded heavily by, you know, Gunhild Stortlin, who's a Norwegian, you know, billionaire asses, you know, billionaire's wife, uh, uh, you know, generally plant-based advocate, uh, you know, all these processed food and, and uh, you know, uh, petrochemical companies and pharmaceutical companies got behind a diet for the world, which was just basically a bunch of processed food garbage. I mean, it was, you know, 57% sugar grain, uh, you know, seed oil, soybeans. I mean, that's what they wanted us to eat. Do you think enough people are waking up right now that we can turn the tide to say, no, we're not going to take this plant-based processed food movement. Uh, you know, cause we see it, we see a grassroots movement developing, you know, via social media and other outlets, or do you think it's inevitable that we're just going to continue to, um, you know, go deeper and deeper down this processed food route? That's the interesting thing. If I would start believing that there's no way, then I would, I just, I just can't live like that because I would just give up all hope. So, I definitely have hope and the thing about me is that I'm, I'm constantly surrounded by people who eat raw meat and are quite different than most people in society. So I of course feel like veganism is absolutely going down and yeah, this, these processed foods and everything, but that's because that's who I'm surrounded by. When I go out and see what people buy in the supermarkets, it's a different story, but it's very hard for me to say what's actually going on uh, because I, I just meet a lot of subscribers also, and all of them uh, eat very similar to me. 
it's really hard to say. Uh, I, I believe that they've been planning this for uh, quite a while and there's a lot of, like I said, money behind this. There's a lot of big companies, uh, big sugar grains, uh, and uh, for sure Monsanto, because they mix with Bayer, the big pharmaceutical company. So they're very, really pushing all of these supplements. Uh, I would hope that by doing events like I do, that in some way it's going to change uh, at least something and bring some awareness. Uh, I, I, you would think that when people get sick, that they would then start realizing what's going on, but people don't. People simply get sick and they die uh, and they don't realize that it was about food because a lot of people have this mindset that food isn't even really important and that they couldn't even imagine that they got sick because they ate the wrong food, that they ate an unnatural diet. When people get uh, a stomach ache or something simple as gas, they just don't realize that, hey, maybe I shouldn't feel this way. Maybe it's the bread that I ate today. Yeah, I mean, that's a... Um... You know, an important concept that I that I try to talk to people, you know, if I were to breathe, if I breathe, it doesn't hurt. When my heart is beating, it doesn't hurt. When I'm walking, it's not supposed to hurt. But when I'm digesting something and if I get bloated and it's uncomfortable, people tell me it's normal. You know, I mean, that's what we hear even as physicians. Uh -huh. say, well, it's just normal, it's gas. I don't think we're designed that way. I don't think human beings are designed to have pain with normal human physiologic processes. And so mm -hmm. if your diet is causing digestive discomfort, then you have to really reevaluate, is that something you, you know, you really need to be eating. And I think that's an important point. Um, you know, the, the, the point about, you know, what people eat, you know, it's the same thing. I go to the grocery store knowing what I know now, and I look at the average person's grocery cart and I see almost zero nutrition and just a bunch of processed garbage. And I, and I you know, they're feeding their children that, and it's painful to watch, you know, I, I, you know, you almost want to say something, but you know, it's, it's just not the, the proper venue for that. You can't go up to somebody, Hey lady, stop feeding your kid crap. You can't do that. Or you, I mean, you could, but you probably get, in, you probably get arrested. But uh, you know, the fact that you're out there doing this, what some people would consider outrageous stuff, you know, you're out there eating a, you know, a hunk of raw meat in the middle of the street. A lot of people say that's offensive. That's outrageous. He shouldn't be doing that. But at the same time, you know, we've got the counter, we've got groups like PETA, you know, animal activists, you know, direct action everywhere doing the most outrageous things there is, you know, and there's, there's other guys like these vegan doctors that sit back there and they criticize me for being aggressive. And I'm saying there's nobody, I don't have a PETA. I don't have somebody doing the dirty work for me, you know, and I could say, well, I could say, well, maybe Gaddis is out there doing the hard work. <laughs> You know, so I can sit back and do the light work, you know, and you know, I can sit there and pretend I'm, uh, you know, I, you know, you can sit there, I'm a doctor, I'm above all that. I, I can just sit there and talk about science while PETA goes out there and does all this propaganda for me. And, you know, I, I certainly appreciate what you're doing. You know, I'm glad it's not, it's not devolving into violence. Um, I understand where a lot of people think what you're doing is upsetting and maybe they wouldn't do it that way. But I, but I appreciate that you're out there you know, trying to make a difference in whatever way you can. And what you're doing is getting the attention. It's, it's effective, you know, whether people agree with it or not. But I think it's a message. We need a counter message out there, whether you ultimately believe one way or the other, whatever, whatever is right or wrong. I mean, freedom of speech allows us to have this discussion. And if you've got people out there protesting and showing pictures of, you know, third world slaughter techniques to, you know, the, the, the vegans are clearly doing, you know, putting up all their, 
uh, animal animal abuse videos, which none of us accept. I mean, I'm none of I'm an, I'm a meat eater, and I don't want to see an animal tortured. I mean, I just don't want to see that. And I mean, you know, certainly there are humane ways to do that, and whether you agree with industrialized farming or not, I mean, there's there's things that have been done to improve those things, um, and there's things that are done, you know, wrong. And, and and I think we can all point that. Out. Even most ranchers that I talk to, when they see these videos, it goes, "That's not how it's done." on my ranch. This is not how we do this. It's not how it's done in my slaughterhouse. And so, I mean, mm. ultimately the animal has to die. You know, it's just, it's just the end of the day. I mean, we can, you can either accept death. You can accept the fact that people die and, and animals die, or you can pretend you live in Disney world and no animals die. And that animals in the wild, you know, frolic around for 50 years and peacefully lay down and, 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 and you know, pass out and, and die in their sleep comfortably. I mean, that's what I think some people think happens. Like these animals are out there, writing poetry and, you know, contemplating, uh, you know, you know, building, building, a, building a home. I mean, you know, I mean, they're, they're eating and that's it. I mean, they're eating and, and worried about getting eaten. I mean, that's their existence basically. So I, I, like I said, I appreciate what you're doing. I appreciate you coming on. I mean, I know you've been criticized heavily and, uh, you know, I hope you continue uh, pursuing what you're doing and hopefully, you know, I mean, hopefully no one hurts you and you don't get hurt or, something bad happens to you, but I, you know, I support what you are, uh, you know, what, what your message is. Mm. Yeah. Thank you. I enjoy watching your videos too. Also what you said, uh, just quickly, uh, they also show as kids already in Disney movies that animals are sort of like humans that they can talk and that they do this and that kind of like what you said, it's not as if people really believe that they write poetry, but we have this uh, wrong sense of what animals are because whether they're predators or just some herbivores, we, they are portrayed completely different than they really are. And this kind of messes with our minds because obviously as kids, we are very impressionable. So then you don't want to, when you see the chicken or the rabbit on your plate, and you, a lot of kids nowadays or teens go vegan and vegetarian because they don't want to hurt their so-called friends anymore because all their toys used to be little animals and all their Disney movies had little animals talking to them. So it's a sort of a mani manipulation of the mind. Yeah, I mean, I mean, certainly uh, we see guys like Earthling Ed out there lecturing to school students, you know, that are mm. six, seven years old, telling them, you know, don't eat an animal because it's, you know, it's the worst thing in the world for you. And, you know, we, we, what's, you know, what you're describing is anthropomorphization of these animals, you know, giving them human qualities and human features, which clearly they do not. I mean, you know, whether they're sentient or not doesn't necessarily make them human, you know, and I think there's a big distinction there. And I mean, you know, there's people that will say, you know, I'm not going to eat a, I'm not going to eat a scallop or a clam because it's sentient. And I mean, you know, what does the thing do? It opens and closes. I mean, that's its whole existence. It's not like it's, you know, doing these things. So I think it's where do you draw the line? Do you, do you allow rats to invade your home? Do you allow mosquitoes to infest your, your, your environment so you get malaria? I mean, it's, it's, it's becomes, uh, where do you draw that ethical line? And why do you want to tell me where I should draw my ethical line? And so it's, uh, you well, know, it's a very, but that's a very good point because really when you when you look vegans are mostly concerned about the animals that we actually eat chicken cows uh, sheep maybe maybe goats that's really about it and most don't talk about all the animals killed in crop deaths which are if if you really look at how much meat i eat i, I made i don't really i wouldn't kill really many animals at all 
Whereas to grow all of the corn and vegetables, what they use, you would need to kill so many insects and rodents. They, they have to kill them, otherwise they eat the plants. They, they have to poison them also with the pesticides and everything. Uh, and they on purpose go and even, there's a lot of crazy stories about it where vegans actually go and kill snakes and such because they try to eat their plants. Uh, I've heard all kinds of stuff. So they, they then you got really got to think who's pushing it and why do they only, why are they only concerned about pigs and cows mostly? It's because really there's a kind of a push really to protect those animals, which are the most popular animals that we eat nowadays. And really they don't, care much about all the others because there's just this uh, there's an aim really to stop uh, to stop uh, yeah to stop farming essentially of the animals yeah i mean i i think you know if you're gonna have if you're gonna i mean we've seen multiple times that you know animals and plants are you know animal agriculture and plant agriculture are inextricably entwined i mean you need them both to fertilize these crops you're going to need also you know, whether yeah. it's you know whether it's bone meal or, or, you know, manure. I mean, the animals have to be there for you to do that. You know, it's, it's just, it's just, you know, it's just, it's just crazy to think you can do that without that, that we can live on this factory farmed, not factory farm, but factory made, you know, chemical stuff is going to be a, a, an appropriate human diet, but there's people that, that want to see that. And it's kind of, uh, in my view, very scary. Zach, any last minute things before we let Gaddis go? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, uh, it's, it's been cool to have you on, Gaddis. I think, like, the interesting thing to me about you is, you know, if the average person maybe would look at what you're doing and be like, this guy's way out in left field, he's super fringe. But even if they look at it that way and begin to dismiss you, they can't ignore what you're doing. So a part of their mind is probably thinking, well, here's this guy who's eating raw meat, living more or less within within nature compared to the average person uh they start to probably rationalize if they were kind of in a camp of i shouldn't eat meat or eating meat is bad they start to rationalize or normalize that you know meat is part of the human nutrition diet and i think your example is is a good one to get them it, it, i guess in short it almost makes what sean's doing look normal to the average person mm -hmm. <laughs> So I think that's, it's cool that you're out there doing what you're doing. Um, and we're very grateful for your time and uh, kind of hearing, hearing your story and stuff like that. So thanks. Thanks a bunch for coming on. Yeah, tell, tell people for where me. they can find you, where they can find more information about you, what you have coming up. Maybe, maybe you don't want to let people know where you're going to go. So you don't <laughs> come after you, but let us know where they can get a hold of you. Yeah. I can't talk about any future events. That's true. But, uh, you can, uh, I, I actually really only use YouTube, which is SV3RIG, Sferia, that's my name there. And I also have another channel called Goatis, where I post other videos, uh, but also about vegans, mostly critiquing uh, their videos and such, what I eat in their videos. Um, those are the two channels that I use. Otherwise, I don't use any social media or nothing. Uh, I have an email address, uh, which is how you contact me. So that, that's all I use. I keep it pretty simple because... Uh, using too much social media but uh, it's just i don't have time for it that doesn't fit your lifestyle <laughs> yeah right <laughs> cool no that's awesome we'll definitely link to your youtube channels in the show notes so listeners if you want to check out what what he's up to feel free to click through and it'll be there well, thank you 
good luck and hopefully you don't get attacked by any more uh any vegans out there. <laughs> yeah Hey folks, Human Performance Outliers Podcast is growing and due to the growth, we are looking to take on some new sponsors. So if you feel like your company or organization would be a good fit for our audience, please do not hesitate to reach out to hpopodcast at gmail.com. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Human Performance Outliers Podcast with hosts Dr. Sean Baker and Zach Bitter. If you enjoyed the show, please consider following us on social media and checking out our websites. Links to those can be found in the show notes. Also, if you have any questions or comments, please do not hesitate to shoot us an email at hpopodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again for tuning into the show.